0: Welcome to another episode of Thick and Thin, where ball is always life. I'm your host Karthik here with my co-host Nathan. Nathan, what's good, man?
1: I feel like every time we move a step forward, it's like three steps back. Uh, today there was 5,500 reported cases of coronavirus in Florida, which specifically in Orange County, Florida, the the county that um, where Disney is located, had more cases today than 38 states on its own. Yet here we go, about to send thousands of NBA players, coaches, and other personnel into the bubble.
0: It's wild, man. And in, in my Sacramento Kings, you know, earlier today, it was first Jabari Parker. And I was like, that's fine, whatever. We don't need him. And then I think just a couple hours ago, Buddy Heald was announced uh, positive for coronavirus. So it's, uh, I mean, when some of the big names start to get hit, that's when you start to really feel the impact. And I know we shouldn't be thinking about it in those terms, but... It's crazy just how many cases are starting to be reported. Um, and I don't know what to expect for the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, who cares about respiratory illness for Jabari Parker if he can't make 37% of his threes? But healed is where we start worrying about this <laughs> exactly. pandemic potentially. Um, no. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, it still seems like everybody's planning to go. Um And as a whole, the league is still planning to keep the bubble in place. They basically have three options. One is to just cancel this whole thing and say it was a mistake and they tried. Uh, Two is to move the bubble from Orlando to somewhere else that's a little bit less of a hot spot. And three is to just say, fuck it, we're going for it. And... Definitely the easiest logistical option is three. The easiest financial uh, option is three. And I think that's what they're going to go for as long as it's possible. In fact, they probably are okay with a bunch of positive tests now before players get into the quarantine.
0: Yeah. I I don't think two is an option because they can't move. Like they spent so much time getting the infrastructure ready in Orlando. There's not another place that can support this. Like in, in this short of a time, they can't get that infrastructure set up. So it's either they're going to say no to it all or they're just going to go ahead with it. And I think they will go ahead with it because ultimately like the NBA and this gets a little morally questionable when people start saying it's better they get it now. So then they'll be fine and yeah, start playing because there are people saying that there's still long-term effects, um, like respiratory effects. And so who knows how these guys will even be conditioned to play if they got the virus and then they – it's not like they're just completely free of everything. So um, – but I do think that's the stance the league is taking. They're kind of saying, hey, look, we expected this. We're going to proceed as planned unless something catastrophic happens, which means yeah. like, like 80% of the league gets it or something. But
1: Yeah, so like today, Heald and, um, and uh, Parker were reported. Uh, I think Malcolm Brogdon was reported yesterday or maybe earlier today. There's two Phoenix Suns players uh, that were unnamed. There was four more for another team that's unnamed. Uh, we know Nikola Jokic uh, got it from that wild-ass party in Serbia with with uh, Novak. Um, and so I guess, you know, for the most part, these players have been asymptomatic. There's actually a couple reported to have some symptoms. So you just hope that they're not very severe. But yeah, I mean, dude, here's the reality. Nobody knows what the virus will do to you long-term because it hasn't even been around long-term. It's been around for seven months. We have absolutely no idea what the implications are. We've seen it in older, less healthy people in terms of sort of debilitating lungs and respiratory conditions. Like you'd hope that's just a much, much lower rate uh, for NBA players. But like we've talked about from the get-go, the risk of something serious or traumatic happening, whether it's to a player or more likely to an older coach, is something that any sports league is going to have a hard time recovering from. Yeah,
0: and I, I don't even know, I mean, we always talked about other leagues kind of set at first doing this and kind of doing the trial run, but I don't know if that's making it any easier. <clears throat> like we know that Bundesliga and some of the soccer leagues, they've had cases they're playing, but the NBA is in a unique situation because of the fact that it's Orlando. And because of the fact that this bubble is not really, really contained with all the staff and, and all that's going on. So it's, it's really hard and it's a, it's a gray area. So I don't you know envy the position Adam Silver's in, but I think, they're going to try to ride out this next week, and hopefully, um, we'll be good to go. So, you know, speaking of the season, assuming we are getting a season, I thought it'd be good to maybe talk about. Ultimately, there's three contenders. when We look at the the league. Um, it's coming down to the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks. Now, there are a lot of other great teams out west and a few in the East that we can talk about, but a lot of people believe that the Larry O'Brien will ultimately reside in the hands of one of those teams. So, we thought today. We could do a little, you know, discussion around which one of those contenders has the best chance. What are some of their strengths, weaknesses, and you know, we have a guest today on the pod, uh, Lakers super fan Nehal Patel, joining us to talk about the Lakers, their chances, um, and how he sees the rest of the how the rest of the season shapes out. So, Nehal, welcome to the pod, man.
2: Thanks, guys. I'm excited to be here. I think you guys are what like 40 episodes in now. So- Something like that. Something like I think that. I, I think I've listened to all of them so far, and I'm always verbally commenting while I listen, <laughs> but no one's ever responding to me. So I'm like happy to be in the game now. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, yeah.
1: Our email account is just emails questions from Nahal, and then like receipts from the <laughs> site that we host the <laughs> podcast on. Yeah,
2: like... I think I've written essays to that email <laughs> yeah. account.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely one of our more passionate listeners. So so maybe we start up there. Maybe we start with the Lakers. So Nitin, what do you? Yeah. Take us through what we're we going to talk about.
1: Yeah, so I think the Lakers, you know, they're the odds-on betting favorites right now. A lot of, it fluctuates, right? But a lot of, um, you know, action is going to be behind LeBron, behind Anthony Davis. They did suffer one of the major losses thus far of players opting out, which is Avery Bradley, who said he's not going to make it the trip to Orlando. So, you know, we'll see what they look like from a roster construction perspective and who they sign, whether that's J.R. Smith or someone else, but... Karthik, I'll start with you. So what do you think is their biggest strength that separates them from the pack headed into the playoff run? They've got
0: the best one-two punch
1: in the game. And I know that's a cop-out answer, but with
0: LeBron and AD, ultimately the the playoffs are about stars. Um, they both play very well, you know, in the pick and roll. They're they're both uh, defensively, they complement each other really well. Um, so I, it's the easiest answer to give, but the strength... The this team is going to ride and die by LeBron James and Anthony Davis, so that's easily their their biggest strength. um, Because ultimately, you know, you have Kawhi, you have Paul George, you have all these other teams. You know, Russ Harden, but uh, that duo. The playoffs are all about stars, and I don't think that that can be topped.
1: Easy answer. Nah, what about you?
2: Oh, I was going to say that was my exact answer. Also, also the easiest answer on the board, but. I think the way I see it, like I'm a very much a top heavy guy and the Lakers are the only team where you could reasonably say in any given series, they're going to have the top two guys in the series. Right. And like, yes, Avery Bradley's out. And some of these role players, you can kind of start arguing over Lou Williams versus, you know, Dwight Howard or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, if, if Davis and LeBron are the two best players in the series and at worst, they're two of the top three, but I don't think it's something if they are not two of the top three players. And, Either Jose Barrios walked through that door and LeBron has shriveled up into 2011 form or, or some calamity has happened. And I think Carthy knows better than most people when you have, you know, Kobe and Shaq averaging 30 points per game, it doesn't matter how deep the other teams are, how good of a shooting team the Kings are, how good they are at passing, they don't stand a chance, right? It wasn't even close. So I think in that same mold, the Lakers are pretty much talent wise, I think they're heavily favored.
1: You know, the thing that I always look back at is we've placed Anthony Davis on a pedestal that I don't know that his postseason resume necessarily supports. He's had one playoff victory in his entire career. Now, I know he was saddled in New Orleans for for the entirety of his career thus far and therefore didn't have that supporting cast. But we put him in this rarefied air that I don't know that his game has necessarily consistently supported. Now, as a second fiddle, he's the best second fiddle you could maybe ever have, right, like in terms of his Complete skill set. But so I'll go there with my their biggest strength is the versatility of their size. They're not a team like Philly where they're big, but plotting with Horford and Embiid and Simmons and just kind of guys who can't really play a ton of different styles. LeBron is a cheat code unto himself. We know this. He's the only guy in the league that can get you 15 assists or 15 rebounds, whichever one you need. Davis. His ball handling ability, his shooting ability, along with LeBron's, both at 6'9 and up, give them, you know, so much matchup advantage where even if the guard play is suspect or even if the shooting is not necessarily knockdown, down, they can do so much between the two of them. Um, and even JaVale and Dwight, like you got to you can run pick and rolls with either Davis or LeBron as the primary ball handler. Like which team in the league has that type of versatility at the front court spot? There's nobody. I mean. You could maybe argue Giannis, have, of course, has some of that, but he doesn't have that support um, the way that LeBron has Davis. So to me, that's going to be the big thing. And ultimately, the way that they would beat a team like the Clippers. Um, I mean,
2: I guess just on that point, though. So I agree with the Davis on a pedestal thing. And I've seen it early in the season. What I saw was every time we had like a like so-called mismatch. Right. And we would try to run things through Davis as if he was the 1A offense. Mm-hmm. You kind of saw that like that passive Davis stuff coming out and like yeah. And I kinda looked at him like, is he as good as I thought he was? But then the more we move away from that and the more we just do LeBron control the ball and Davis literally catch and finish, then like I was thinking about it, like honestly, in a playoff series, if you have Davis being fed by LeBron versus Giannis creating for himself, I don't know that Giannis brings as much impact as Davis does. So like just from that angle, I just if Davis plays this finisher role, I think, yeah, he's yeah. Gonna be up there,
1: so. The big key will be Davis sharing the floor with LeBron because everything we've seen is that when they're on the court together, the numbers are astronomical. When right. LeBron's by himself, the numbers are still very healthy and like top team status. But Davis by himself is, you know, the Lakers get outscored per 100 possessions, which basically shows he's not a number one. But yeah, like with LeBron kind of orchestrating and, you know, to Karthik's point, these guys are both going to log at or above 40 minutes a game, I would think, coming off four months of a layoff. Like you couldn't ask for a more prime situation for LeBron to make a run here. And and we've always known Anthony Davis is good defensively, but I think this year it's he's playing
0: at another level. And I don't think it gets talked about enough because we've had a lot of other great defensive, you know, player of the year candidates. But We've, we've talked about this on the pod, like at every level in terms of the three-point line, mid-range, and at the rim, he is up there with all the defenders. Like even at the perimeter, he's contesting shots. He's allowing very, you know, poor percentages. So he because he doesn't have to expend all that energy offensively, he's become this really versatile defender that that's what has really unlocked LeBron now. Because LeBron doesn't have as much pressure on him. He can roam a little bit more. Um, and the combination of those two on defense is, is just as potent as what they're doing on offense.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. So what would you say, you know, what's their biggest weakness? Where do they have the most watchouts and and what could ultimately be their downfall here?
0: I'm just wondering who's going to guard the wings. Like they're going to go up against Kawhi, Paul George. They're going to go up against Giannis. I don't trust any of their the guys, the defenders out on the wing. So, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, LeBron, Anthony Davis, those guys can play out, but they're not going to be the primary defenders on, on a Kawhi or Giannis. And as we've seen in the regular season, They've gotten lit up by some of these these players at the three. Um, especially Kawhi and Giannis have had big games against them. So who who is gonna be that defender? Um, you know, Avery Bradley's a decent defender, he's gone. Do you trust KCP? Uh, do you trust Kuzma? Like who who's gonna get that that role in the the postseason? Cause it's much different than when you have to guard them in the regular season. There has to be some guy that you can task with. And I'm I'm worried they don't have that that guy on their roster unless, you know. Neal, maybe you think differently. But that, to me, is their biggest weakness.
2: I mean, I don't think differently. I do think, I mean, LeBron still has it. I think we saw in those last two games before the season ended, the Bucks and Clippers game, he was kind of on point. He was guarding, the, he was guarding Giannis. He was guarding Kawhi. He's not going to do that for a full series, obviously. But he will have to take more of that role. And then other than that, yeah, we're just going to put – I think what we do is we just kind of punt it and say, like, no one is going to shut down these guys. We just need to put an active body on them. You throw KCP out there. You throw like Danny Green out there. And then you just whatever, you just roll the dice with that. You can serve LeBron. Um, I'm not too... I think our team defense is good enough, really. And this goes back to Davis being really versatile. Because Davis is so versatile, it also allows us to play Dwight with him, or McGee with him. And we kind of cover all our grounds there. So defensively, I'm not too worried about them. Um it's just, I mean, with Kawhi, I, I think Kawhi is the single best player in a fourth quarter playoff environment. So I, I've kind of made my piece with us having to go. Through. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think you basically have to, you know, the Lakers were really, really stout defensively because they had such good rim protection all season. Um And I think that won't change. They have to let Harden have his. They have to kind of let Paul George have his because, like, the guys they have on the wings are just not going to stop him. I think I'm going to go a different direction. I think shooting is the concern for me right now. Like, LeBron flourishes with knockdown shooters around him and him controlling it. You know, Bradley, who's had a few years of kind of inconsistent uh, marksmanship, he was at 36%. You know, they don't have him anymore. Danny Green is really the only guy that's part of the primary rotation shooting above league average, right? Alex Caruso is right around league average. Quinn Cook and Jared Dudley are probably going to see very, very few minutes. KCP, you know, he he shot almost 40 percent, but I'm curious how many of his minutes go to a Dion Waiters or go to a potential J.R. Smith. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think they got to be really careful with which wings they play. And not get too married to like, oh Jr. Let's all reminisce about 2016. And like, you know, him and Dion, they're going to be on the edible. I mean, they're not going to be in the <laughs> bubble. Like we we talked about, first first out of the bubble, <laughs> it's going to be those two. And so, you know, KCP sucked for the last year and a half, and then this year he was decent. So they got to be able to ride the right ha- hot hand. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot on Vogel. But it's hard, right? It's hard to be like, this guy's got it tonight and this guy doesn't. And, it's, you know, even for those role players, building a rhythm and actually building enough trust uh, with LeBron to have him pass it to you with an open look is is something you got to knock it down. That's how he's won all three of his titles.
2: Yeah, so I guess on that point, like you just named so many names right now from the roster and like I got nauseous, right? And my whole who thing play? is, yeah, who do you play? Who do you trust? And The issue is, is a lot of these guys, if they are not shooting well, they're not doing anything on the court. They're just kind of there. We don't have anybody that has a second skill set, except for maybe Danny Green, even though his defense is, I don't know. I haven't seen much from it. But I'm i concerned that there's no reliable third guy there. But then my greater concern with the Lakers, and this is why my friends and like mostly Laker fans, they all call me the most pessimistic of the bunch. And it's because... Well, first of all, I hate the players on my team. Okay. Like you go down the list. Rondo, Dwight, KCP, Dion Waiters, Morris, I don't even remember which one. Uh J.R. Smith worst apparently. One. The worst one, right? Like these are guys who have a like everybody throughout the career has some characteristic flaw attached to them. Like as, as basketball players, not as not as human beings. I don't want I don't want your guys' PRT to <laughs> to defend the pot on my account but they're already I, working
1: overdrive after karthik said the players should fuck their families and just go to the
2: <laughs> <global>. <laughs> right so like so i guess i guess i'm saying like all of these guys there's some history of wilting under pressure quitting on their team torpedoing the locker room uh or just being a bonehead right and i Something characteristically like about this team, about this bunch, does not give me confidence in them in a high pressure playoff environment. And I've seen it during the season, right? Like the chemistry has been good. I, I get that. They have a lot of good handshakes and all that. But there have been a bunch of like marquee games where if we don't play well right off the bat or the other team is playing above their baseline, we just fold. Uh, we lose bid. We don't like if we get punched, we're not punching back. And I think that's just a character of the team. We're kind of like front runners. When we know we're better than the other team, that's when we play our best. But if we do come to this point where we don't know and we're like the Clippers are coming from our head, I don't know how we're going to respond.
0: It, it must be said that uh, Nail's a bona fide LeBron hater. So, Huge bias you know I've, I've, I've told him so many times he's got to bend the knee now that LeBron's on his team, but he just – he won't do it. And so everything he says, you have to take with a grain of salt because – LeBron, okay, you're talking about LeBron's teams being scared. Like, LeBron has only gone up against the best of the best. Like, he's he's going to have these guys ready for war. I don't think that's going to be the worry for the Lakers. He's the
1: scared. thing is, the thing is, Lakers fans, I knew this was always going to come to head when now the greatest player who's ever wore the purple and gold is LeBron. And it's just a very, very... Tormenting feeling because you got to root for him, but you know every moment that he does something good, it's also killing you a little bit inside.
2: Oh, it's the worst! It's the worst! It's the worst season that I've been a part of. But it's we're gonna win the championship. <laughs>
1: so I don't know what also, as a Wizards fan who's done a tour of duty with Markev Morris, guaranteed to let you down at the biggest moment of the, of the game. So <laughs> I'm hoping he's not on the court when there's two minutes left. Otherwise, something's <laughs> went really, really wrong. Either um, him or waiters.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, all right. So who, who do you guys like have as your X factor? Like, you know, obviously we know LeBron, we know AD who's the guy that you're looking at as like, what's going to make or break this title run.
0: Mine is KCP because I think with, with Bradley out, he's going to have to, they're going to rely on him more. And look, when he played as a starter this year, um, in 20 games, he shot 50% from the field, 40% from three, uh, you know, only 11 points a game, but he was relatively reliable. And and there were some games where he kind of popped off and, you know, he'd, he'd go on a couple, hit a couple threes in a row, make some plays. I think they're going to have to rely on him as a more, like you mentioned it, then like scoring, shooting is the biggest kind of uh, weakness of this team. And you need to have reliable shooters that LeBron trusts. And I think out of KCP, Kuzma, like I, someone needs to step up. And I think his role is going to get magnified with Bradley out. And so I'm, I don't believe that KCP has a very high ceiling. You know, he's one of those players who's just kind of there and floating around. But he could have some of those big games where he hits four or five threes and all of a sudden it, it turns the outcome of a game. And so he's my X factor.
2: I think I'd go with um, Dwight Howard, who I have not been more wrong about a player coming into the season than I was about Dwight Howard. Because I thought he was going to be cut and he is incredibly important to our team. So like he's basically the only player. Like, if news came out that he's not going to show up to you know the quarantine tournament or whatever, he'd be the only one that I think matters. Any of these other guys are kind of replaceable with somebody else off the bench. But Dwight, like, what you want an X factor, I think, is somebody who can play a specific role at an elite level. And Dwight Howard, when he's playing his game, defending and finishing at the rim, he can still do at an elite level if he's just doing those two things. And like, really, his defense is it's. I, like he's always been a great defender, but whatever he's lost athletically, I think he's either maintained because he's always been good. He's either maintained or upped his defensive IQ because it's not just rim protection; it's it's literally everything. It's switching, pick and roll coverage. He's got the whole package, and it's it's allows us to play a big man without compromising the defense in the small ball era. Like he can hang, so I think he's pretty much the guy I'm looking for
1: as someone who's also done a tour duty with Dwight Howard I will say I,
2: I think I
1: think he's been underrated um since the 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 kind of shitty exit in Atlanta right he played well in Charlotte he played well in Washington I know he only played 9 games I think there was the uh, you know a fair stigma that got attached to the kind of player and, and he was and the kind of teammate he was and I think he's since shed that and he's proving it again been able to stay healthy um so it's actually good to see cuz I think You know, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, There's pretty much no doubt about that, but he doesn't get talked about or respected in that light. Um, I'm going to go with Kyle Kuzma, and here's why. So you look at the Clippers' small ball lineup, right? It's not really that small, and this was, like, always the secret about the Warriors' small ball. Other than Steph, all those guys were big wings or big men, you know? And the same thing with the Clippers. You look at, okay, they have Lou Williams or Beverly at the point. He's, you know, a guard, small guard. But after that, you go Paul George, Kawhi, Marcus Morris, and Montrez Harrell. Those are four six, seven, six, eight and up, and really strong, really big dudes. And so I don't think the whole, you know, Dion Waiters, KCP, Alex Caruso is going to work um, if you already got to have D, uh, Danny Green on the floor. So you have LeBron, Green, and then in this kind of lineup, I think AD has to slide to the five for the crunch time minutes. And I think you need big wings who can score, who can put the ball on the floor. And Kuzma, we know he's better. When he's not standing in the corner as a catch and shoot player. Um, but I think he's got to be that viable third option, um, especially if the uh, you know Clippers are keying in, because here's the beauty about the Clippers in that lineup. If they have Beverly on the floor, aside from him and even him, they can switch everything with ease and with no worries. Um, it's not like LeBron can't score on these guys, but if you guard him with Marcus Morris or you guard him with Paul George or Kawhi, it's all still a reasonable outcome. We're not going to see these one, five switch pick and rolls to get him on Steph. That's not going to exist in this series. And I think that's why Kuzma is important as just from his size and athleticism.
2: But, I mean, theoretically I would want Kuzma to be the guy. It's just, he's so polarizing. Like, yeah, it's he, the, the is like he fits with LeBron, but, Sometimes he just doesn't because anytime he has to take more than two dribbles, it's a disaster on offense and the dude can't guard anybody on defense. And you yeah. can't have both him and LeBron on defense if you're trying yeah. to rest LeBron.
1: So. It's like everyone's, they're just like, hey, can we just play zone defense? Like, uh, <laughs> like, well, we're all man. It's like, no, we're free safety. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. So, all right. One answer. What's your expected result for the Lakers?
0: They lose yep. in the Western Conference Finals to the Clippers. I, that was my pick at the beginning of the season. They go seven. It doesn't even matter. There's no home court, but they lose in uh, game seven.
2: Okay, yeah. So I got them beating the Clippers also in like a seven-game series and then kind of wiping the floor with what comes out of the Lakers. The Lakers.
1: Yeah, I think I have the Lakers winning the title. I just think the rest that LeBron's going to have and the fact that he cares about this more, 15% more than anyone else that's going into the bubble, <laughs> that it's just, you know, the home court be damned. I think they're going to get it. Ring number 17 for Los Angeles. All right, so let's move on. You guys want to do Clippers or Bucks next?
0: Let's do Clippers. Should,
1: yeah, right. Clippers. So biggest strength, Karthik.
0: It's got to be their depth. Um, especially some of the moves they made before, uh, you know, the season ended up, um, getting suspended with Reggie Jackson, you got Marcus, right? not Marquise, Marcus Morris. It
2: doesn't um, matter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, Reggie Jackson in the limited games he played, like he, I think he played like nine games. He shot well, like he was playing well for them. Marcus Morris, not so much, but once again, he's another versatile body. Um, who, who can hit some big shots and can play, you know, a couple different positions. They've, they've got a lot of depth. And then obviously Lou Williams, Montrezl Harold, These are guys on your bench that you can actually rely on. Like we just went through the Lakers depth and the names are laughable, right? And, but these are actually quality NBA players who um, I think can really contribute. And, you know, I think of it like a 2K game. Like When you're playing 2K and the computer just empties out your bench in the second quarter, how screwed are you? And with a team like the Clippers, you really you can kind of make do with who you have on the floor, whereas the Lakers or other teams, um, I don't think they have that kind of depth. And so the, the versatility of the Clippers, the depth they have is going to allow them to not rely too heavily on Kawhi, too heavily on Paul George, although in the regular season they played like a very top heavy team. I think they've rounded the roster out nicely. So going into the postseason with everyone healthy, everyone ready to play, uh,
1: that's going to be their biggest asset. The only thing I want to say in response is why can't 2K fix their stupid fucking algorithm that doesn't do that? Like teams don't sub full like we're playing. You know, it's like we're watching Hoosiers right now. Like I just don't understand why they can't adopt any type of staggering in the way subs are made.
0: I don't get. And the twelfth man on the roster somehow is on the floor with two yeah. left in the first quarter, which I it
1: just <laughs> it's participation trophies out here, man. It's ridiculous.
2: Um. I think my biggest strength for the Clippers is kind of on that same note, a little, a, little, a little different in that I probably, I think they have the best crunch time lineup of all these teams. And that, a lot of that is because I think, like I said, Kawhi is the best crunch time player probably in this format. He doesn't have the holes that Giannis does. And I think at this point, he can be more reliable at creating his own shot in, at the end of a game, right? And the last two minutes of the game, right? So I like that. And then you have Paul Jordan as a bailout option who can kind of do some of those same things. And then they can basically play the situational versatility game, right? If they need score, you can put in Lou. If you need size, you got Morris and Green. if you, you want defense, you got Beverly. So they can kind of fit all there. And that's kind of I think I know some of these games that are in the fourth, second half of the fourth quarter and they're 50-50 games, I think they have slight edge versus the Lakers or
1: yeah, to me, it's it's kind of what Nahal said earlier when he said Kawhi's potentially the best player in the league. I think it's really, whether or not you want to call him that, he and Kevin Durant are the two guys in the league that consider themselves peers of LeBron, and truly are peers, right? Giannis isn't there yet. We know Harden's not there. Steph, while he has the accolades, is not that kind of player. And Kawhi and KD are the two dudes who've beaten LeBron in the finals and are at the peak of their powers. And, you know, Kawhi... You look at him this year, the thing that works best about him in the playoffs is his isolation scoring, right? Being able to get a shot, being able to get a good shot, his strength, his, you know, deliberate nature of the way he plays. This year, he's averaging five assists a game, nothing to write home about, but it's like by far a career high for him. So, you know, he's seeing the floor better. He's got more depth around him to to Karthik's point. But really, it's about the fact that he could on any given night absolutely be the best player on the floor in every single game versus the Lakers. Now, um, you know, that's going to be an awesome matchup the whole time. But I think he's the guy that if you had to put your chips on the table and say one dude could beat LeBron, it would be him. I wouldn't bet on Giannis, even though Giannis is probably going to go back to back MVP. I would not bet on Giannis being able to do that. I would bet on Kawhi because right now he has no holes in his game whatsoever. All right. So on the flip side, where are we? Where are we? Where do we stand on their weaknesses? What do you think is going to come back and bite this team in the ass? Um,
0: I mean, I think, you know, watching the Clippers a decent amount this year, given how much they've been on TV Their their offense still gets a little stagnant. They, they're not a very free flowing offense. They end up going ISO in a lot of possessions. Uh, they're one of the top ISO teams in the league, uh, which works. You have a lot of talent and you have guys like, you know, beyond Kawhi and Paul George, you have guys like Lou Will who can generate his own shot. Um, but it's, it, the fact that the offense kind of stalls here and there and, I think in in the the playoffs you're going to be going up against some very good defenses, and I'm not sure that the one on one style of play is going to always work for them. So for me, I think it's their the lack of ball movement sometimes, and the way the ball kind of stops uh, is their biggest weakness. And they have enough talent to overcome that, but um, just something that they might that might hurt them in the long run.
2: I I kind of don't mind the the ISO the ISO game in the playoffs. I feel like you need that, and it's like. If you have the players that can, that can, I think that, I think the playoffs gravitate towards that at some point, no matter what. And it's probably going to benefit the Clippers that they have, George and Kawhi versus like the free flowing offense, people running their sets. I think that kind of breaks down. So I think my concern with them with the Clippers. So I don't know how, I don't know how you guys are thinking about like the NBA game versus the quarantine game and what the differences are going to be in between those two. But when I think about these Clipper role players, like, they, like Beverly and Montrezl Harrell, these guys play off the crowd. They play with energy. That's how they make up. That's how they equalize, I guess, their lack of talent versus their counterparts. And if that's not there, if that atmosphere isn't there, then, like, what, like, what, what is it really? Like, just Beverly shooting threes and screaming at nobody? Like, what is that? That's nothing. Yeah. And so I kind of think that they, they might come up short.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, because usually role players we know historically in the playoffs always have better home splits because they feed off the crowd. These two dudes probably take that to an extreme, right? And so for them to not have that um, is going to be a factor. Like, I think Beverly is pretty locked in. He was talking shit to um, Jared Dudley or someone today. Uh, So I think he's ready to go. And, And with Montrose Herald, it's a contract year, so this is his... You know his time to shine. It's actually pretty crazy because Harrell has a real decision on whether to play or not. If we're being honest, Uh, I know he's going to go for it because they have a real title shot. But this is his payday opportunity. It's the same reason Bertans is out for the Wizards. Granted, they're slightly different scenarios as teams, but you know he's trying to get paid, and and like this could buoy him. But a big injury, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. I think for me, my issue is the continuity. You think about. Paul George's injury, you think about Kawhi's load management, you think about the Mo Harkless trade that brought in um, Marcus Morris, and then you think about the fact that they've had a four-month layoff. This team has played very, very few minutes together. You go up and down and look at their five-man lineups. They've only had two lineups that have even logged more than 100 minutes this season, one of which includes Harkless, which is by far the number one,
2: and he's gone. Uh the second- good, by the way. Like he it gave was, problems. He was. Bad. I actually,
1: I, was was. I actually did not like the rumors that they were going to try to use him to get Iguodala. I was like, I think that's going to be a downgrade. Yeah. Um. So you know, the second lineup includes Zubac, and we're not sure how much we're going to see Zubac on the floor. He might get played off the floor in certain series, especially versus a team like Houston, versus a team like uh, Denver. He's going to be needed and probably the Lakers, but he's just not as good. I mean, he's, he may be big, but he's just does not have that size. Maybe we're going to see the Joakim Noah uh, appearance, (laughs) but I just, they've had so many roster moves, injuries, transactions that I just, they haven't played that much together. And when they have been all out there, they've been dominant, but can you just recall that and flip that switch whenever you want? That's going to be what I, you know, keep an eye on uh, moving forward.
0: You know, one, you know, you brought up nail the the role players, how they don't, have the crowd noise to feed off of on the flip side, Beverly loves to talk trash and what better environment where it's just you in a gym, there's no one watching and all everyone can hear is you chirping. I feel like that might actually lend better to, to what he wants anyway, because he's going to be, he's going to be yapping off and everyone can hear him. He can yeah. get a guy's heads. I mean, who knows?
2: That, that was, um, so I don't know if we're going to transition into it now, but he was actually my X factor player.
1: Yeah, let's do it. So he Yeah, Beverly, what's the take? What's the deal with him? Well,
2: my whole thing is like I guess so I think the Lakers at the top have have a talent advantage. Just their stars are better than the Clippers stars as a whole. Um basically because Davis is better than Paul George. And so for the Clippers to kind of match up, they need their role players to make up that gap. And I think the closer that they can get this back to an NBA product like a high intensity, high pressure uh game versus just like a pure basketball game in a quiet gym or whatever it's gonna be like I think the better it would be for the clippers and I think the dude who can set that tone it's gonna be Beverly like he's the only one that's crazy enough to chirp away in a quiet gym start yelling at like cardboard cutouts or whatever's gonna be out there in the stands getting to scuffles like he's not gonna care. He can up that 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 tone or that intensity and I think the Clippers they have this like chip on their shoulder we like to play in like very uh, like high pressure, intense environments. Kawhi's a robot, blah blah blah. And like I said, I don't trust the Laker, Lakers cast, right? I think there's a lot of like knuckleheads over there that might just do some crazy stuff, right? So I kind of think Beverly is probably going to be the tone setter if he could if he could move the needle in that way. Then he's probably the right.
0: Yeah, no, Beverly's a good one. I I'm going with Montrezl Harrell, uh, partly because Zubach, I don't know how he's gonna. Like you said, Nathan, I don't know how he's gonna matchup in these series and if he's gonna get run off the court and Harrell's gonna he's gonna play a lot more minutes. I think he already plays pretty big minutes, obviously coming off the bench and you know he's scoring 1920 a game. And then thing that people don't talk about enough this year is his defense has fallen off compared to uh he's never been an amazing defender, but he gets that reputation because he's like scrappy and he's got the hair flying around. He's it's pulling the, down rebounds.
1: It's the Kenneth Furry treatment. It's the <laughs>
0: Kenneth Furry, exactly. And it but in reality he hasn't by most metrics he hasn't been a great defender. And he's gonna be him and Zubach gonna be asked to do a lot. Um, when you're going up against Anthony Davis, when you're going up against Jokic. And so I think more so more than offensively, which he's been used heavily this season, they're gonna to have to rely on him more defensively. And so I think he's gonna be a big part of to how far they go in the postseason.
1: Yeah, I mean I think You know, if the depth is going to be the advantage, then the guys who make up that depth have to come through. Um, And you can you can talk about Beverly, Harold, Zubach, like Lou Will, Shamit. There's just a lot of good guys that haven't really done it yet. And you're going to be counting on a lot from them. I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going with Paul George. I think he may be too good of a player technically to be the X factor. But let's talk about the fact that he hasn't won a playoff series since 2014. I think we do this thing with Paul George, just like we do with Anthony Davis a little bit, where the the, the numbers and the eye tests tell us that they are a certain level tier in the NBA. But we crush the same other, you know, other people for not winning enough. And with Paul George, you know, the whole playoff P thing got just totally bitched by Joe Ingles a few years ago. Last year, it was Damian Lillard hitting that game winner in his mug. And look, he is an outstanding player he's tier one in a lot of guys' eyes, like top 10. He's the first call Kawhi made. He wouldn't even play with anyone else. We know LeBron's been trying to angle for him for like five years now. And six-time, you know, all-star, five-time all-NBA, all all the accolades, but let me see it in the playoffs, right? And if you're really going to compete versus the Lakers or versus the Bucs, then he's got to take that next gear and turn his regular season play into what we actually see in the playoffs. And, you know, last year was a struggle. Last couple years were a struggle. I just... I'm nervous that um, he may not be that guy. Now, he's never had a player next to him like Kawhi. Even Westbrook, he was the best player on the Thunder, right? He was better than Westbrook. And so he took this top dog role that he probably is not suited for. Uh, now it's very clearly a number two. So hopefully that changes the way he comes out there.
2: The thing about Paul George also, like I agree, like those last couple of playoffs, he like really fell short versus what I expected him to be, but Cause you remember those, those heat pacer series back when it was like George versus LeBron, like he brought it, he was good. Yeah. And I thought he, he did have a playoff rep and then it just kind of disappeared. So yeah, the injury yeah he also went to,
1: help. he went to two straight, um, you know, two straight conference finals. Were they both game sevens? I know at least one was a game. One seven. Of yeah. One of them was, yeah. And yeah, he, he, he showed out, but that was a different kind of team. That was almost like that 2005 Pistons mold, um, with one dude who was a de facto star, but not, you know, carrying the load. Um, all right, so where do you guys? So, I guess we kind of already tipped our hand here. So, Clippers, Karthik, you have them beating the Lakers and then what? Beating the Bucks. Beating the Bucks, okay. Now you had <laughs> them mean, losing to the Lakers, right? Yeah, yeah, just
2: running to a plus something.
1: I have them losing to the Lakers as well. Let me ask you this if they were to lose earlier, who would they lose to? Who do you see actually being able to take them out? Anybody?
2: I, I hate saying this, but I. I still think it's the Rockets. Yeah, like, I was going to say Houston. I mean, the problem is that they could suck, right? The Rockets could just be bad. For basketball. But I think, especially, specifically against the Clippers, the Rockets can play their game, they like their downsized version of the game, and they don't have to give anything up versus the Clippers, right? Because, like, where's the vulnerability? Like, what, Zubac is going to explode for 12 points? <laughs> or, like, Joe noah blistering two for four from the field? Or something like that. It's scary that Houston can play their game without giving up the, the size disadvantage. Because the Clippers don't have anybody to throw left. Yeah. So, and they got the, they got big bodies that they can throw at Paul George. And, and I, can't tell,
1: I can't tell between the Rockets and the Sixers who I'm more like, I don't oh, know yeah. what the hell they're going to do. They could <laughs> do literally anything, and I'd be like, yeah, I see that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I
2: mean, the Sixers straight up could make the finals. And I hate that I can still say that
1: a hundred percent they could definitely make the finals and they've also could flame out in round one to and get swept or lose in five to <laughs> boston so it could be anything yeah. um all right let's go to our last team the milwaukee bucks um so we'll start again at the top so biggest strength from you karthik
0: well you know milwaukee has been a stalwart defensively uh and at the rim especially like if you look at the top three rim defenders in the league it's It's like the Lopez brothers and Giannis Um, and yeah. And they, they allow the lowest opponent field goal percentage under five feet. So they're like built to just prevent you from getting to the rim. Um, And I think so defensively they're, they're really solid. I have a lot of questions on the offensive side because uh, I don't know if this Giannis and shooters, you know, we've seen this with LeBron year after year and I don't, I don't know how, if it's going to work, despite the fact that Giannis is so much better. So I think for them, it's more the defensive side of the ball um, where they really shine. And, and Giannis, obviously, like you know, he's my defensive player of the year. Uh, I'm going to tip that before we do our awards pod next week. But uh, he's he's that good uh, defensively, and I think the whole team kind of that's their biggest strength. I was going to
2: say the exact same thing. Defense is kind of where they. That's like their bread and butter. But if I had to say something else, it's it's not really a strength, more more like it's an advantage, really. And it's like the cakewalk advantage, right? That LeBron knows so well. I mean <laughs> look, <laughs> Oh, he knows it really well.
1: I can attest to that.
2: <laughs> I mean, before one of these LA teams plays the Bucs, right? They're gonna have to go through what's probably gonna be a really grueling season. The Bucs will probably have one difficult season, a series of note. Um which is going to be either the Celtics or the the Raptors? But like, I think if you look at the West, you have to the LA teams have to play each other. Before that, they probably have to play you know some combination of Houston or Denver, which is also I think a, a tough out. And you could even go back further and think of just like the first round cities, right? The Bucks have what were old, Orlando, I guess the Wizards. Um, but uh, but the Lakers. I mean, the Lake. I think it's going to be Portland. I think the Portland, Portland's going to oh, beat the. Why? Why not? All you I mean, players these players are infected None of those guys want
0: to play, man. They're going to sit. They're going to sit yeah. everyone and just...
1: Jabari Parker, play. <laughs> Jabari Parker couldn't shoot before coronavirus, and suddenly
2: we're going to expect something different out here? <laughs> I mean, like, and then just, like, Portland's not a threat to the Lakers. Dallas isn't a threat to the Clippers. But, like, Luka and Lillard, these guys, like, superstars take work to eliminate from the playoffs. And I'm a big believer in this whole gauntlet thing, right? Like, there's an aggregate buildup when you have to play like a tough series or a series of tough players that builds up. And that's if I'm trying to back solve how the bus can really take this thing, it's it's from that, like just having that advantage.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, we need to trade DeMar DeRozan back to the East so Giannis can benefit from what <laughs> right. LeBron Le- LeBron enjoyed for the better part of the decade. Um yeah, I think that's a fair push which is like how many really tough challenges does Milwaukee have before they're in the finals um last year they ran into Kawhi and they you know Raptors obviously won there isn't another star of that level maybe it's Joel Embiid but like we just said you can get anything from that Sixers team and anything from Embiid himself um and it wouldn't be a surprise I think for me I really like Milwaukee's wing depth um to go a different direction from what you guys said so I like how many guys, how many shooters they can put around um, Giannis. I really liked what George Hill did to the, this year as a resurgence. You know, Even someone like Dante DiVincenzo had, had, came off a horrible rookie year and was actually pretty decent this year. You, know, you have Pat Conton, Wesley Matthews, Kyle Korver. I mean, this is similar to the Lakers exercise where we were just naming dudes who could all suck. <laughs> Um, so we don't know, and we. But at we least see. those
2: guys, at least those guys do one other thing other than shoot. Yeah, like Wesley Matthews will still guard the other guy, other team's best player. Like, yeah. semi well, so.
1: so yeah, and like George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, those guys are really stout defenders too. Yeah, at the very least, you would think they would do that. Now, the concern, and maybe I'll just kick off the weakness here, is that I think this. Look, I'm not trying to compare the Greek national team to uh, the (laughs) Milwaukee Bucks, but we saw this the last two times we've seen Giannis play meaningful basketball. He doesn't have the individual isolation scoring game to be able to create when the defense has collapsed. Um, So if guys aren't making their shots, he's in a lot of trouble. Didn't happen for Greece, and it did not happen last year for Milwaukee. You saw George Hill went cold, and Eric Bledsoe went really cold after a good year and a now, regrettable extension. Um, and so, if that happens next year, what's to say that, or sorry, this year, what's to say that um, Giannis is going to be able to figure it out? Like his game has evolved, but not, he has not added that, you know, the isolation uh, mid range game that Kawhi, KD, LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, all the true, true elite 1A wings have. Um, and, you know, Chris Middleton, is solid, but when you talk about tier two stars or the number two fiddle, he falls well behind, uh, you know, AD and and Paul George in that pecking order.
2: Yeah, so I had it's funny, right? Like, it's I said, I had a in these notes like Buck's weakness, and under it, I had Giannis, which sounds stupid, but like, it I think that's what it is. Like, at the top end, he's not there yet, he's not Kawhi, he's not LeBron. And the problem is, is that you can game plan against him. Like these other guys, you drop a game plan and you make it difficult, but you're not drastically changing how they're gonna play the game. Right? gonna be Kawhi, LeBron's gonna be LeBron. Like Giannis, you can fundamentally change how he's gonna be playing that game. He's gonna be shooting seven threes a game, maybe or something crazy, if that's the shot they're giving him. And until he fills that hole, and I do think he's gonna fill that hole eventually. I just don't think it's this year. Though know, if they like if they run to the Clippers in the finals, I'd be practically to But I, I do think it's it's Giannis is still one tier back for
1: one. Which is crazy to say about what's going to be soon back-to-back MVP and DPOI probably. Yes, yeah, nuts. But it's true. I mean, the playoffs yeah. are a different beast, right? Like, we see this all the time. And there's an element to his game. And he knows it. Like you said, he's going to fill it out. But it's not, it's not where you'd expect it to be of a guy who can single-handedly take his team to the title. So
0: I, I agree. I think part of it is Giannis, but I think part of it is, is the fact that this is a team that still lives by the three. Uh, they're a top five team. When you talk about, you know, the three point shooting and they're also a team that gives up the most three point shots and they're not good at defending the three. So the flip side of being so good at defending the pain and they, they drop Lopez, they drop Giannis. They give up a lot of shots in the perimeter. And so that lends itself to this high variance game, which is, can be dangerous when you're a team relying on your three-point shot and then your team that gives up a lot of three-point shots wonky things happen and then when you add in some of the facts that you guys talked about where it's kind of easier to game plan against Giannis and now um, you know you're relying on some of those role players DiVincenzo and like guys like him to be like hitting these threes it becomes a lot dicier and there's just a larger margin of error for the bucks and so I don't think I think this team construction is also it needs a little tweaking and uh, you know, Coach Bud, as great of a coach he is, it still remains to be seen how he's going to adapt to the playoffs because his teams have been, always been great performing teams in the regular season and flamed out the playoffs. So I, I think that the reliance on the three-pointer and the inability to defend the three-pointer is is a little worrisome for them as well.
1: Yeah, you know, Bud is such a great point because he's had 60-win teams before. He had it with Atlanta. He had it last year with Milwaukee. He's had that like really well-rounded, can play any style, fast, slow, big, small. But where he struggles is how do you make those adjustments when a team is now playing you seven times in a row and can really scheme in a in a more um, complex way? Like how do you change the way you work? Like last year versus Toronto, it's so crazy, right? Because they were up 2-0 and they actually lost game three in I think double or triple overtime. If they win that game, it's a it's a wrap, right? No teams ever come back from 3-0. But once they lost that, it was like the floodgates had opened and Bud couldn't do anything to figure it out. And all they did is they just drove Giannis into this wall over and over again with Marcus Sol and Kawhi and Ibaka, and nobody could make a single shot. And and Giannis turned the ball over, he couldn't get to the line anymore, and the whole thing was just done before it even you could, you know, before you blinked. And that's what I worry about. Now It should be noted, right? Like, we're kind of crushing Milwaukee a little bit, but they had an all-time historic season. And before a little bit of a swoon, I think they lost their last three games before um, the shutdown. They were on some really ridiculous uh, records pace uh, in terms of margin of victory, in terms of net rating. They were pushing for mid to upper 60s and wins. Uh, even seventy at some points this season, so they're a really, really good team, and and, and we are nitpicking, but ultimately that's what's going to matter when you're talking about finishing first or second.
2: Something screams just like early to mid two thousand Dallas Mavericks, where it's just like they're putting out these like pretty like impressive regular seasons, but then I always thought Dirk was also another guy that you could kind of game plan against
1: mm-hmm. earlier
2: on, like just be physical. He's not going to put the ball on the floor and on the floor, and then. Like the We Believe Warriors kinda of took advantage of all that. And then he added that next element where he just started becoming a menace. Like he was actually dribbling. And then that's all it took for him to just wipe the floor with every team in two thousand eleven. But I just I'm kind of seeing that that kind of comp with these thoughts. It's
1: the first ever comparison between Dirk Nowitzki and Giannis. The interracial comparison. You never, <laughs> yeah, you never get those. Interracial is <laughs> hard. I thought you were gonna yeah. say Giannis was like the Kembe or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so where do you see i guess we covered this but where oh did i did we do x-factor no we
0: didn't do x-factor
1: okay so who's your x-factor uh for this for this team
0: i i'm gonna go with west matthews um he's one of those guys who the name his name always sounds better than the player he's been the last several years i mean obviously he had the horrific injury and um he hasn't been the same guy he used to be but he has been a valuable player for them. You know, he's he's been a decent shooter. He doesn't put up a lot of points, but I think he's also going to get some of the tougher defensive assignments in the playoffs, uh, whether that's uh, Kawhi or LeBron or even a, a Siakam, he might have to, to body up a couple of times. So I think he's got to turn it back in like a couple of years and, and become that player he used to be and contribute more, especially because I've seen Bledsoe uh, in the playoffs fall on his, on his face. I've seen um chris middleton disappear like i don't trust any of these guys so they need someone else to step up and contribute offensively and so i think he
1: he could end up being valuable for them dude they're not putting six four west matthews on <laughs> lebron and like siakam they're it's gonna like put two, six
2: five six, six foot kyle lowry locked up siakam in that all-star game that's when true they kept, when they kept trying to feed him the ball
1: when so. the last three minutes went on for four hours yeah that's true <laughs> They've played West Matthews
0: this year on some of the bigger wings. He's not bad defensively.
1: I think it's going to be Middleton will get the first crack, and then once he gets smoked, then maybe <laughs> West Matthews will, will get stepped in. Fair.
2: I mean, I had Bledsoe as my X factor, even though this is also just not—I don't like this pick at all. But first of all, it's irrelevant unless somehow Giannis and Middleton can play on par with like the two LA stars, right? But if we get there, I think Bledsoe's got the best chance of being a tiebreaker because. First of all, he has to not suck. Like, if he could just, like, play on par with regular season and not put up these three-for-11, nine-point, like, 22-minute games that he's putting up in the playoffs, then that's a big win for the Bucs, as it is. And he also has a chance to be better than any other third player on either the Lakers or the Clippers. If he's Like, he's a good two-way player, right? And on paper, he should be better than he is. And he does play better than he does in the regular season. It's just that in the playoffs, I don't know what happens, but it's like two-three points. Yeah,
1: what Bledsoe is a guy where you start to worry about the psyche and whether he's like fully confident in his shot. And, you know, the first game you go like five of 16, you definitely start thinking about Mm -hmm. it. Right. He's got to get off to a hot start, even though they're going to cruise through the first couple of rounds. I think he's got to really play well so that when you get into the conference finals and the finals, he's building off some type of momentum. Though Richard Thaler would tell us that there is no uh, hot hand fallacy. uh, (laughs) Yeah. um i'm going to go lopez i think Karthik, you brought this up the crux of this bucks team is their interior defense lo uh, sorry i should specify brooke lopez forgot uh, ever ro- uh, robin but i think with brooke he did not shoot the ball well this season from deep um that's been something that we've spoken about he just unbelievably added to his game halfway through his career um and started launching threes at like a historic rate so i think he needs to get back to it like this season he only shot um you know, 30% from three um, on almost five attempts a game. So he's not afraid to launch, but I think those those have to to go in so you can run an effective pick-and-pop offense and also so you can clear the lane a little bit for Giannis. Like If he's not making those shots, just the way he sags on guys shooting threes, anybody who's guarding him will do the same to add some extra product, protection at the rim. Now, they may choose to do that anyway because you never want to let Giannis start getting going, but if Brook, in addition to... Chris Middleton and Bledsoe and Matthews and all these guys can start hitting threes, then it's going to be too hard to defend Giannis. And this is going to be the team that we saw all season. All right. So final question before uh, we go here, you know, we have Bucks, Lakers, Clippers. I would put it roughly at like a 85 to 90% chance, maybe even higher that one of those three teams is ho- holding Larry O'Brien at the end of the season. So Or no one because the season got canceled. But um, if not one of these three, who do you have as a sleeper for winning it all? Toronto. Again, wow. Yeah, I'm going deep, deep
0: sleeper. Now I kind of like that. I kind of like. I like. Okay, look. Toronto has. um, They're the same team as they were last year in many ways, despite not having Kawhi. Uh, Defensively, they're long. They're switchable. Marcus Gasol, you see how he's looking after you know this quarantine period. Smell. He's looking slim. He's like he's still elite defensively. Uh, they've got the depth. They've got and they've got a system that works. That's one of a championship. Nick Nurse has done a fantastic job, and this team is actually well equipped to beat the Bucks. I really think they have a good chance against Milwaukee if they both face each other in the conference finals. Um, I think they'd play conference finals, right? I don't. I have to check the see, but I, think they're, I um, think they're two
2: or three. So yeah, they're three. And, no,
0: they're and, two. are
1: you know, two right now. Yeah,
0: and and I, I I don't. So for me, when I looked at the other teams, I looked at Utah, I looked at Houston, Dallas. Like Houston's too gimmicky to really. I, I think they can pull off an upset, but I don't know if they're going to pull off three series upsets in a row. For Toronto, it's really Milwaukee, which I think they can beat, and then you know they're playing one of uh, the Clippers or Lakers. And, you know, you've got Siakam. I trust him against bodying some of those wings. And I I just trust all the players who have been there before um, and Nick Nurse. So I think that they're not a horrible choice in terms of a, a sleeper team.
2: I don't know, man. That all-star game really turned me off.
1: Yeah. So. This
2: is, you just like you just like, glossed, big, you just glossed over
1: Siakam kind of <laughs> matching up with LeBron and Kawhi. You're just like, yeah, I trust him there. um. <laughs>
0: I'm fishing now. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Can they really do this?
2: I don't. Know. I I I do think Toronto has a good chance of beating the Bucks because I, I think Zach Lowe harps on this all the time, where they got all these bodies where you could just sub them in and out, and nothing happens to so their defensive scheme. Yep. And and so like and a defensive scheme is going to work against Giannis at this stage. So I think they have a shot there. But like if they roll into the the finals and they're just up like, like Giannis is one thing. LeBron and Kawhi are Completely different, not to mention like Davis and George as second fiddle. So I don't think they have a shot. I mean, I still am going to go with that really bad team, Houston, because like, I don't know, you could conceivably talk me into this idea of like there's some new ceiling that James Harden has with four months off coming into the playoffs. And you have like Westbrook foaming at the mouth with all this pent up energy and they can outplay like Greybeard and LeBron and passive Anthony Davis, right? Or I could, I could see it happening. Like, I, like Russell Westbrook. Like you talk about the dude, like stamina, endurance, like fatigue. These things don't seem to bother him at all. And then you think of all the cons after having a long layoff, like rhythm and rust. It's like Russell Westbrook doesn't play on rhythm, and like if he's rusty, like you're not derailing that jump shot anymore than it that it's already been. He's done to himself. Yeah, he's just Russell Westbrook. So you could talk me into it, but I mean, like you said, ninety percent chance.
1: Well, we haven't talked about Svelte, uh, James Harden, what that means for his game, right? Because I actually think the weight helps him just like it helps Jokic. So I think the Rockets, yeah, the, the the case for the Rockets is basically they go bananas from three for like two months straight, right? And Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker and Robert Covington and all these guys are just like above 50%. It's possible, um, you know. Like Nahal, you mentioned earlier, the Clippers, they can still play their style. So, if there's a conceivable way, you know, they're trying to finish, I think, in that 2 3 spot to avoid the Lakers. Um, And if they do that, who knows,
2: you know? Yeah. I think they could. Yeah, go go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say on that point, on the 2 3 point, I think it's interesting that we don't know which side of the bracket they're going to end up on because either the Lakers are going to have to play them or the Clippers are going to have to play them. And that could have an impact on the following series. Right. So, yeah. And they're a team. And
1: and we always talk about, it's just like a thing that we say where it's like, oh, they want to avoid them. But in reality, if you, if your biggest obstacle is the Lakers, let's say, wouldn't you want to play them earlier? So you'd be like fresher and like just better. Yeah.
2: I don't think it matters where you play them, to be honest. I think you just,
1: especially now no home court you're right, playing every yeah. other day like there's no travel like the whole thing is just like it's such a unique experience um i'm gonna go philly so oh, God. the case for philly is they have two of the f- five best players in the east um and simmons is going to be healthy coming off the layoff and his back injury and josh richardson's going to be healthy now i think before they you know stopped play they'd kind of figured out what to do with horford uh, when all the uh, players were healthy, you know, they have to bring him on the bench, which is weird when he gets paid almost 30 million a year. But they brought him in essentially to be beat insurance. So let him be beat insurance. Don't try to force fit him into the starting lineup where it doesn't make sense. They don't really have enough athleticism up front. They don't have enough shooting. So you got to change it up, whether that's Matias Teibel, whether that's, um, I honestly don't even know some of the guys on their bench, Zaire Smith. Um, there needs to be someone else like move Tobias to the four, move Richardson to the three. And you got to have just like a knockdown shooter, almost like a very light version of what JJ Redick gave them last year. So with that lineup with Simmons and Embiid staggered minutes, hopefully Brett Brown spent the last four months figuring out how to play those two stars. You never know. I mean, they match up well against Boston. I don't think they match up well against Toronto. So they really need to try to like sidestep them because Gasol will just punk, uh, <laughs> Will pump Embiid like he's done so many times in the past. And the Milwaukee battle would be awesome. A bunch of big men, a bunch of talented athletic wings. I mean, who knows? I mean, all hell could break loose. And like, look, Embiid can turn into to young Shaq at any point. And I think if he's primed and ready, then he can be the best player in the league, honestly, on some nights. And you just got to hope that that lasts for two months straight, which it probably won't. But that's why it's a sleeper. and knows <laughs> yeah. when Embiid is looking like coming out of quarantine. Zero, zero pictures. Yeah. Zero yeah, pictures. Zero
0: pictures. I mean, it, not, remember what I said last time. If there's zero pictures, you got to worry about that. Because if these guys are in good shape, they're posting. They're posting I pictures. was thinking about, about
1: this. Them. I was thinking about you saying this earlier today. And I was like, what if it's reverse psychology? They want you to think that, but really they're ripped as hell. Because we didn't see anything from Jokic. And clearly, if this is what he looked like, there were some intermediary pictures that where he also was looking pretty good. Yeah, because he had coronavirus. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I mean, he does. I don't know when he got it, but you do. Nah, I think he it. he might have gotten it after, um, from what I heard. He got about. it from Djokovic at this yeah. party. We
0: were all hanging out there. Uh, <laughs> a couple of thoughts on those teams. I actually think the Sixers are a good threat against the Bucks, but I worry about them against Toronto, so that's one thing. And Houston, Houston reminds me of the Golden State Warriors in 07, the We Believe Warriors, where – they're, they're exciting. They're, they, you can easily conceive of them winning a series. Like a lot of people thought the Warriors were a pretty good team back then and pretty dangerous eight seed, but how long is that going to last? And the Warriors eventually ran into Utah and it's like, you fizzle out. So can the Rockets do that for three straight series? Yet to be seen. But, um, but I think those are solid choices too. I don't, ultimately, I think it's going to be one of these three teams. Like Again, yeah. it, it's, the odds are very low that anyone else wins at all.
1: It shouldn't be discounted though, because we really don't know what, the infection or sort of like outbreak situation could be like all kidding aside like any team any locker room this could happen and if like we're already hearing guys like four players on a team like that changes the calculus to a level that we're not even going to be able to like account for um and so if there's any any season where um you know a random team made a run and it's not just about a serious illness or a late illness like it could just be the guy gets tested positive he's mandatory out for two weeks they're not going to delay the games he, even though he's asymptomatic even though he wants to play he's not going to be allowed to and they may just end up losing because they need the the biggest problem that we talked about before is that all the
0: best players are in the same hotel yeah like all the top <laughs> seeds are in the same hotel if that starts spreading in that hotel you lose Giannis you lose LeBron you lose Kawhi you lose Paul George Anthony Davis like then who's playing
1: Bradley Beal
0: coming for you from the Yacht (laughs) Club. Then you got Jabari Parker holding up the Larry O'Brien at the end of it also.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, look, I hope they figure out everything that's going on and get a hold of this in in Florida. Because aside from wanting to play, just from the public health aspect, but it's scary. I'm not even sure if at this point in two weeks we're going to have a definitive plan if they're going to go or not. As of now... Sounds like a yes, but as we can see, things can change.
2: Have you guys heard of like, uh, you know, like some of these uh, states and counties, they have a number where if your case count hits this number, you just roll everything back. Is there anything (laughs) like that for the NBA or are they just trying to fly by? Not publicly. Not publicly, right? Okay.
1: The only thing I'll say about the NBA's plan versus any of these other leagues, because basically like three or four leagues are starting in Florida in in July. And um, they're the only ones with any conceivable bubble format. I think like to the degree that they have it. Yes, we know it's not a perfect bubble with the Disney workers and all of that, but all things considered, it's much tighter of restrictions than other leagues. So you have to think, even if there's an outbreak in Florida, even if there's an outbreak in Disney, which we've already seen, they are more protected, all things considered. Um, so maybe that works in their favor.
2: Yeah, hopefully. I think we're all hoping for it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, uh,
0: you know, we'll see. I'm, uh, it's going to be an interesting season and who knows, but tomorrow they may announce that the, the league is dead. So this, is then all this, for one, not.
2: this podcast, it won't even air. And I did all <laughs> yeah. these podcasts.
0: I think we've, we've recorded more off season episodes than actual episodes during the season. Really <laughs> bad, is.
1: really bad timing to start an NBA podcast in the off season <laughs> of 2019. The worst. But uh, anyways, thanks now for joining. Um, Great chatting
0: with you all Lakers. And if LeBron wins a title with the Lakers this year, I want to see you get a tattoo or at least a jersey or something of LeBron. You know, I got my
2: big fat asterisk ready. Just got to- the- <laughs> my shoulders. You got you can't not can't asterisk it. your own team. There's
1: no uh, way. Uh, I'm
2: i aster- I'm just asterisking him.
1: Oh yeah. It's, it's like he's got one. he's still got three titles, but the Lakers have seventeen. Yeah. You
2: can do whatever <laughs> you want. This is this is the quarantine era. You, know. you can do whatever
0: you want. But uh all right, guys. Well, good chatting. Um you know, we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.